Peace, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some prominent people, figures, and events from pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them. Today is October 30th. It's a Friday. And last week I spoke about how the weather was doing in New York and it seems like I might have cursed it as... This week it was even worse. Every day I would wake up and look out the window and all I saw was clouds. I think I may have forgotten what the sun looks like. And hopefully that changes soon. It's been raining. It's been windy. It's 40 degrees here and it's... Fall usually comes a little bit slower, but I think this year it's come, it's arrived, and said, you will notice me this time. So as I continue to adjust to that, I hope that you're doing well wherever you are, experiencing whatever type of weather there is. I know all across the country, all across the world, there's been some interesting stuff going on with the weather, and we'll see if it continues to be a little strange, to say the least, for the whole world. But for this week, we can dive right in with the sports topics. And the NBA has found its way right back into the headlines. They came out recently and announced, or at least it was reported, that the NBA this season lost about $8 billion, which is pretty significant for the National Basketball Association. Granted, part of that was credited to China having a ban on the NBA being aired. Part of that is obviously coronavirus affecting people even being able to go to stadiums, which obviously had to be solved by creating the bubble. But this is probably more significant for the players here as... The owners will use this as a bargaining chip. At least I presume they will when it comes to new contract negotiations. And we're already seeing the repercussions of it as the higher-ups in the NBA reportedly, allegedly, are trying to push for the NBA to return on December the 22nd, which would give the championship team who stayed the longest in the bubble about two months, barely about two months to get ready to get back at it. Now, obviously, the players here aren't too happy about that. They're not going to come out and say it, but I'm sure that they're not too excited about having their typical four-month break being cut in half. It's just another chapter in the story of coronavirus for the year. As we see how the NBA decides to deal with that if they pretty much give the players an ultimatum. I wish I could offer much here, but it's out of their hands. If they want to sustain the contracts, and just to know here, the NBA has some of the biggest contracts in sports. If they want to sustain that title, they're going to have to likely accept it, and just play whenever the NBA decides would be the optimal time. But other than that, the NBA has been undergoing some significant signings as we've seen coaches, 
find new homes. The head coach of the Houston Rockets, Mike D'Antoni, just signed to be an assistant coach for the Brooklyn Nets. We're seeing assistant coaches getting their first shots as the Indiana Pacers and Houston Rockets have now signed coaches that most people have never heard of. Coaches that are getting their first shot to show what they contributed in their time assisting some of the most prevalent head coaches in the league. It's just a simple lesson in being prepared. One of my favorite quotes that I always refer back to is that luck is simply opportunity meeting preparation. It's better to stay ready than have to get ready. And that's for any career path that you're in as we're seeing these assistant coaches getting their first shots with superstars on their team nonetheless. But that can conclude the NBA section as we move on to the NFL, where we've had another week of plenty of headlines to cover. So I'll try and run through a couple notable ones that I thought deserved attention. The first of which being the unfortunate injury to Odell Beckham Jr. I'm sure that that name has been heard before. He somewhat put himself into the eye of popular culture through having a major catch, one of the greatest catches in NFL history, might I say. He played for the New York Giants, and anytime you're in New York and you're good, you're destined to get attention. He had the flowing blonde hair. He had this whole character about him while he was in New York that made him well known. And then he was traded and he found himself on the Cleveland Browns. He didn't demand the same level of media attention, partially because they weren't great. And this year, while he only had one explosive game, most people who are fans of football could tell that he was still elite. He was still one of the most talented receivers in the league. It's just unfortunate that the offense he's in is not built for a Odell-like player to consistently be a superstar. But even with him not putting up the same numbers he did in New York, they were performing well. They were one of the best teams in the league, and they might still be. But a pretty big obstacle has come up as on Sunday, Odell Beckham Jr. tore his ACL, effectively ending his season. He can come back next year if he recovers well enough, but the Browns just took a massive blow to their offense. As a player who seemingly could get open at will, will now be home cheering his team on. But aside from that, a lot of teams have had resurgences as the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that had been down and out. They're in the worst division in football, which in layman terms is just saying that the teams that they'd have to beat to make the playoffs are atrocious. And just by being a decent team on Sundays, the Eagles have a good shot of making the playoffs. Tua Tagovailoa, the rookie quarterback for the Dolphins, will debut this weekend as well. He has a tough matchup, but that could be a feel-good story as a player who, in college, had a near-career-ending injury. 
he had to go through surgery and rehab and still got drafted with a top five pick. He will be making his first start since that injury. And people, whether they're Dolphins fans or not, will be paying attention. We witnessed the end of two undefeated teams this weekend as well. As the Tennessee Titans, the COVID team, as I may deem them, the team that brought coronavirus to a head in the NFL, lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, granted in a close game. But the Pittsburgh Steelers remain to be the only undefeated team left with a dominant defense, a high IQ veteran QB, a phenomenal offensive line, and plenty of wide receiver talent. The coaching goes without question as well, as Mike Tomlin, the coach for the Steelers, continues to be one of the most underrated coaches in the league. And the other undefeated team or formerly undefeated team, the Seattle Seahawks, that were led by a surging Russell Wilson that's making for what appears to be a clear MVP campaign, fell at the hands of the Arizona Cardinals led by young but extremely talented Kyler Murray. In a close game, potentially, I would say it might have been the best game of the year so far. As Seattle just barely lost the game, they scored a touchdown to win it, and it was called back because one of their players made a somewhat unnecessary but definitely unfortunate penalty. As teams are starting to get in the groove of things, the New England Patriots, who some may argue have been the most dominant team in all of sports, as they seemingly are a Super Bowl candidate every single year, look horrible. Cam Newton, who I did an entire podcast episode on, someone who I had faith in being a, at minimum, top 10 level talent in the league, is struggling. And I don't have an explanation for it. I'm not sure if... Having the coronavirus affected him. Maybe it zaps your powers like the aliens in Space Jam. Maybe the Patriots aren't what we thought they were. But they're sitting on two wins at the moment. And it doesn't look great for them Sunday as they're going into Buffalo with no good receivers, an injured defense, and a Cam Newton who's not looking like Superman anymore. These are all storylines that I will be keeping a close eye on. As in other sports news, the Major League Baseball season ended with the Los Angeles Dodgers winning it all. And I have to address one thing that happened because this was a pretty funny story. So the Dodgers were playing the Rays in Game 6. A closeout game for them to win. And one of their players, a man named Justin Turner, tests positive for the coronavirus. Now let me ask you, if you're a logical Major League Baseball player, they sit in their dugouts, you're watching the game, you're not playing at the moment, and you find out that you're tested for the COVID, 
would you not go into the locker room or just go somewhere else to make sure that you're not spreading it? I'll give you a second to think on that. I hope that it didn't take you too long to arrive at an answer. This guy did not do that. He went away from the game for a short period of time. But as day one, he emerges, he comes, he runs onto the field, he's jumping up and down, he's hugging on his teammates, he has his wife out there, he's hugging her, his mask is off as they're taking the pictures. I I was in shock. I, I'm, I have no words for it. This guy is out there spreading the COVID. They win a championship and he's out there spreading the Rona. I just wanted to share that with you guys. I thought that was hilarious. Hopefully, it was a false positive, or if he did have it, somehow, hopefully, he didn't spread it to anyone and recover soon. But that was almost a bigger headline to me than the Dodgers winning. But other than that, the fight that I spoke about last week, Habib Nurmagomedov, one of the greatest fighters in UFC history, went out and defeated his opponent. Now sitting with 29 wins and zero losses, he announced his retirement. He thanked everyone for being a fan, for supporting him, and walked off the stage. Now, I have every reason to believe that he will not be returning. So just in honor of him, that was a good way to go out. And this weekend, we might be having back-to-back weeks with major retirements as Anderson Silva, one of the greatest fighters in UFC history as well, will face off with a man named Uriah Hall. Very talented fighter. He's been around for a while. And if Silva finds a way to defeat him, there's a chance he may get a title shot or be right on the edge of it. But if he loses, there's a solid chance that he will retire right then and there. One of the most respectful fighters I've seen. He has a flashy style. Just demands respect from everyone in the entire league. And that's about enough to conclude the sports section. As we move on to music where, man, this week is loaded with new albums. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to get to all of them. I'm, I'm going to rattle some off the top just so I can make you aware of what has been released. So Buster Rhymes, the rapper, drops his new album Extinction Level Event 2, The Wrath of God. This album that had been an urban legend I have been hearing for now three years that he's been holding this album that's the best thing since sliced bread. And now he's dropped it. Everyone is saying that it's hot. I have to sit with this some more and I'll get back to you next week. So that's a major release. Trippy Red for those fans out there. Dropped a new album named Pegasus. Made in Tokyo, who really isn't too major in pop culture, but had had his famous song, Skateboard P. He dropped a new album called Never Forgotten. Ariana Grande dropped an album called Position. Sam Smith dropped an album called Love Goes. Some more underground stuff where 
Tierra Wack dropped her first song of the year. She was an XXL freshman, I believe, last year and showed a lot of talent and potential. King Vaughn, someone who's starting to gain more and more attention as a storyteller from Chicago, dropped an album. There's just an insane amount. I don't know why they picked October 30th to go crazy with the album releases, but I have a full slate and I I doubt I'm going to be able to get to every single one of them in terms of coming back next week and letting you know what I think, but I'll try and anything I get to, I'll share my opinion on it. But in the music industry, I was reading an article the other day and just for context, Kendrick Lamar just signed a new deal with Universal Music Group, a global admin deal, I believe. And to my understanding, this is essentially a deal where he gets to retain the copyright for his music and they're going to handle more technical things on the side of distribution. So a mutually beneficial deal for one of the greatest artists of my generation at the very least. But this article was speaking about the fact that Kendrick Lamar, who just re-upped, and Travis Scott, who's on his way to having to re-up, can somewhat shift the landscape. In light of Kanye West's recent critique of the music industry's construction, two superstar artists, and Kendrick Lamar is still a superstar, he actually, on Busta Rhymes' album, I did hear his song, and Kendrick Lamar gave Busta this verse eight years ago, so 2012. The verse is crazy. He's just giving away crazy verses. But in light of that, these two superstars have the potential to shift the landscape if they so desire. Travis Scott, who has his label affiliation, I believe Cactus Jack is his own label, has the power to independently release his music. He has the status, the fame, everything he needs, his brand has been solidified. And while I don't believe he will, he can further negotiate a deal with the label where he also owns his music. And this just could be another chapter in the artists who matter trying to emphasize ownership. Now, I mentioned briefly before, what's happening with these contracts are a two-sided sword. On both sides, the label has their issues, the artist has their issues. I'm not sure what's going to come of that in terms of improvements. But I think what needs to be formed soon is a way for these artists to have mutually beneficial deals as an option. Now, I'm going to get a little more in-depth with a small proposition here. To my understanding, typical deals involve an advance to the artist, and with the advance, they can fund their album, whatever they agreed to create, and the large advances are substituted for ownership. 
And that's where all the issues arise as these artists enter stardom. And two, three, four, five years down the line, they complain that they don't own their music. Now, what if the alternative is you take little to no advance, you retain your ownership, and only use the labels for distributive intentions? Would you accept that? If you were an artist, would you accept that type of deal? For the most part, you would be betting on yourself. I know that a label waving four or five million dollars at you could be appealing to say the least. But if you're looking for a longer career and believe you may enter a situation where you want your ownership, that could be appealing. I don't know if the labels are willing to do this. They could take a percentage of your profits as their money in return for letting you keep your ownership. I'm just throwing the idea out there as a fan and someone who is as much as I can be informed from outside looking in. But just to keep the section brief, I have a lot to talk about next week. When I get into all of these releases, I did not expect this. I just woke up and while I only expected two or three, I'm seeing 30 different things I need to listen to. It's insane. But with that being said, we can move on to the gaming section of the podcast where every week I'm giving you updates on the next-gen consoles. These next-gen consoles are the most important technology being released this year. I feel like that's solidified at this point. It's a fact. Everyone's trying to figure out what these next-gen consoles are and what they mean for the future, not just of gaming, but of simulation technology, of household electronics. So this week, the new update is... The companies have sent out their models to the people who applied for them. The influencers who have some say and some type of impact on which way people will lean. Even though if you haven't already figured out which one you want or how you're going to get it, it's going to be tough. Those lines on the day of the release are going to be out the building, up the block, down the corner. It's going to be tough to get your hands on the first batch of these consoles because the anticipation is so crazy. So this week, a lot of influencers got their hands on it and have been showing off both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox. So I'll start on the PlayStation side of things. So on top of the fact that PlayStation announced that they'll be partnering with Travis Scott for some creative projects, one of which it appears to be a shoe. The PlayStation 5 has gone out and the big headline has been how large this console is. Now, to my estimates from what I've seen, what I've read, it's about 15 inches tall. It's the biggest PlayStation that has ever existed 
But something about the design is so sleek, so well finished. I, I liked what I saw with the unboxing videos. The controller looks better than the PlayStation 4. The console itself is going to be tough if you want to have that console vertically, depending on what your setup will be. Now, they haven't been able to show too much of people playing it. I assume that was a part of the agreement when they sent out their models to be reviewed. But off the first look, the design of the console, for those who are interested, it looks pretty good. I was impressed because a lot of people were kind of making fun of the design. It's not too symmetrical like we're used to seeing. It looked kind of like a spaceship, but after looking at it in different contexts, different arenas, I think it'll be appealing enough to sit there and get the job done. Sony is expecting to potentially outsell the PlayStation 4 with this new generation as the requests have been out the building. And I understand people are home. They want something to do. The new game trailers have looked amazing. The CEO came out and said that his inbox is flooded with letters from people of all ages trying to figure out how to get their hands on a PlayStation. People who've been playing PlayStation since the first PlayStation are complaining about not being able to get their hands on this one. I completely understand them. But that's how serious the excitement is for these next-gen consoles. And on the other side of things, the Xbox has been sent out as well, and it looks like a brick, just like everyone expected, but the design is not bad. It's sleek somehow with the brick design. I use brick to give the visual analogy, but it's not at all to be critiquing the design. I think it's well done. The heating system, or should I say cooling system, looks clean. The Xbox has a minimalist appearance to it. There's not too many buttons on it. it. It's what you expect from the Xbox. And their controller now has some new improvements to it. And I, I have to note, the Xbox One controller did outdo the PlayStation 4, in my opinion. So if they're making upgrades to that, that's a good sign for them. I am of the belief that the Xbox 360 controller is probably the greatest controller I've ever used. So Xbox has somehow stayed at the forefront of that small niche field, but nonetheless, it's a plus. And as I announced that PlayStation had revealed their UI not too long ago, Xbox this week revealed their user interface, and I was impressed. I have to give them their props for this. I was not a fan of the Xbox One user interface. It was clunky. It was hard to use. To find stuff was all around and random, in my opinion. But this user interface is easy to navigate. It's clean. They're taking advantage of the new loading technology where all the games that you've been playing are right there for you. And just like that, 
you can go right into your game where you left off, where you paused, you're right in the middle of a mission and you need to go. You turn it off, you come back, and you're right there. I was impressed. This was a plus for them. We know the graphics are going to be great for both consoles, but the user interface was a big problem I had with the Xbox One. So this is a upgrade for them. And the lesson to take away from this is if you are a gamer listening and trying to figure out which next-gen console to get, outside of the exclusives, which in prior generations, I have to admit, have tilted towards the Sony PlayStation side of things, this is a win-win Both of these companies are coming with the heat for this next generation. All the attention is well-earned. All the profits they're going to make appear to be well-earned. It's just going to be a great time for gaming and setting up the next decade. I listened a little bit to the, the CEO of Sony talk about how They don't have VR even in their plans at the moment. They don't think that's going to be big for a decent amount of years. So not only do we have something to look forward to with this generation, but thinking way down the line, there's still so many prospects for a thriving industry. It's just fun to hear that. But with that, we can conclude this week's episode. Thanks for listening. As always, I appreciate you taking out your time. I'm always looking for ways to get better, so let me know what I can improve on. If you enjoyed it, leave a like, leave a review, tell your friends, share it. I'm doing everything I can to stay consistent and keep you guys up to date on what's going on in the world, at least on the pop culture side of things. I know things can get hectic, and I hope that this can be somewhat of a breather for you as you get to listen to some fun things going on and hear about some prospects for the future with some lessons on the side. I try to drop in some business insights when I can, but I I just enjoy doing this. So thank you again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. This is Behold Pop Culture.